But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> New Orleans is cool, no question about it. I always feel at home there for some reason. Well, the, the eating's good, and the music is pretty good, too. Mm. Yeah, and the attitude and the pace. And, of course, my, my familiarity with New Orleans is almost all completely garden district to French district. Uh, not out in the burbs and not out where people have real jobs and, and, and stuff like that. So it's a distorted view, I admit. But I like that distorted view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just pushed the record button. Um, we're talking about uh, New Orleans. What? Uh, oh, I thought we were talking about perverted. Oh no, never mind. New Orleans. Uh, uh, the airport there got beat up pretty bad back on Katrina, and then I understood it made a comeback. Did it get? I mean, they kind of did okay during this most what? recent Isaac thing. Lake, lakefront. Yeah. Oh, oh it yeah. got Lake, hammered. It got hammered during Katrina. It was closed for. A while, mm-hmm. uh, and then it just started slowly coming back. I think they had, uh, I know, uh, the, the millionaire, uh, the FBI, one of the FBOs there was operating out of mobile homes for a while, or, mm-hmm. you know, trailers. Yeah, uh, they had a very nice facility, and I'm sure it just got wiped. It, you know, the 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 damage from the storms aside, is is that a GA friendly airport? Is that a, a lakefront? Yeah. It's, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the only service there. Is is uh, uh, um, unscheduled. Mm-hmm. Uh, How convenient all schedule, is it? All the schedule goes into Armstrong the, on the other side of town. Right. How convenient is it to uh, to like the French Quarter? <sighs> it's not 20, that bad. About a, yeah. About a twenty minute cab ride. Yeah. I was gonna say Usually about, runs about twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd guess it's more. I would think a twenty minute cab ride would be more than twenty bucks, but yeah, I mean, you never know, right? But. Uh, no, it's actually pretty – cabs are pretty reasonable in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, not that, it's not that far because they come off a set of surface streets there just south of Lakefront Airport and then get on expressway until they're a beam – oh, gee, many – what is it? Decatur Street, I think, and can get off right there uh, into, the, into the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing runs pretty quickly. Uh, and then they can drop you off at one of those nice little boutique hotels there, mm-hmm. about two blocks off of Canal Street and about two blocks north of uh, of uh, Royale. Perfect. I haven't been to New Orleans in a long time. I didn't pay by, for my hotel when I was there, though, so I don't know much about that. But uh, well, Lake, Isaac did a couple of hundred thousand dollars damage to, to Lakefront from what I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had standing water on the runway. Uh, some of the FBOs got flooded again. Uh, but it was bouncing back quicker than it did after Katrina. Well, yeah, because it wasn't as yeah, it wasn't as big a deal. Yeah, it wasn't as big a deal. Anyways, what do we got here? We got uh, David. What's this thing about the Air Safety Institute's new course? Well, let me look. Something about ADSB for general aviation. Is this more ADSB propaganda? Yeah, I know. It's it's Dave. You know he probably is. It's an AOPA or Safety Institute online class. Uh, it's supposed to enlighten you on all the things that it does and doesn't do. 
And I can't remember my AOPA login. Yeah, right that's my from, That's what I'm going through right now too. Here, let's see now. AOPA. Uh, we'll do that. We're going to do this and see if this works. El Piloto Loco at uh, gmail dot com. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> well, the things that I thought were my password uh, are, are not it. Anyways. Uh, so uh, I got it. I'll be damned. You got it. Okay. Good. Then you can tell us what it says. What's the course? Uh, uh, Courses to give you practical information about the F- FAA's ADSB implementation and how it will affect you. It's called ADSB for General Aviation, and it's a introduction. It sets the stage. How does ADSB work? What's out? What's in? Uh, the short and sweet take on the services that are available. Uh, informative links and a quiz, and I believe this might count toward wings points too. That's overview. You want me to go more? Uh, who does it say who's giving the course? Yeah, the FAA. Oh, you mean what human? Yeah, I'm not sure that it is human. No, it's computer. Oh, so it's sort of a it's not uh, a video. It's like uh, frame it, shots and text. I and, thought maybe it was like a webinar or something like that, but uh, no, it's a yeah. It's going through what it is, what is next gen, why it's necessary, what ADSB is, uh, more acronyms. Mm-hmm. Then and is it, it goes into how it works. Yep. And is it free if you're an AOPA member? Is that how it works? I believe it might be free even if you're not an AOPA member. Yeah, but you got to have an AOPA login apparently. Because, well, but yeah, but that's something that they did with the Air Safety Institute uh, when they okay. combined it and the AOPA Foundation under one foundation umbrella. Uh, the Air Safety Institute stuff got opened up to non-members. You still have to apply to get a login and a password. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a, a, a what's the word? What's the right word I'm looking for here, Jim? Uh, a community service that they do uh, for the community at large, okay. above and beyond the paying membership. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of content like that uh, on the LPA site. But the best stuff you did, you, you need to have a login for. And mm-hmm. the easiest way to go about getting a login and keeping it is to become an LPA member. Yeah, um, which would now be a good time to say. You know, as much as we rail on AOPA, uh, if you're a pilot or interested in aviation, uh, you should definitely be a member. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not that they don't deserve being railed. <laughs> they definitely, we need to be keeping an eye on them. But they're yeah, doing some. does sometimes. They're doing some good hiring lately. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's yeah, a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's rather, some rather inspired choices. Yeah, so, uh, so that's a good if thing. You, but, uh, if, you, if you're not up to date, if you've never bothered to f- follow along on what automated to automatic dependent surveillance broadcast is i was leafing through some of the other pages on the course here and some of the other chapters and they've got some really well organized very clear uh graphics and text to really help uh, you visualize what uh, different parts of the system are how they work the airspace that they're working in and and uh what you get from out what you get from in uh, so, if it's if it's of interest to you, it's a place to go. Were there any ducks involved? <laughs> uh, no, but I did see a goose. 
<laughs> See, nobody's going to know what that means. That was long before we pushed the record button. We'll figure out how to All sleep. the better. We'll figure out how to make some sense of that. Then it uh, gives somebody the opportunity to ask the question. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on here? Uh, He's not going to ask the question. <laughs> He's not. He's Sun not. and Fun. Sun and Fun is becoming like this year-round thing. I, they're doing something like every month, even maybe even more often throughout the whole year. <clears throat> What are they doing? They've got one coming up like in a, in a, in like two or three weeks. And, yeah. then, and then they got this December first thing too. Who knows more they, about this they than have me? Their, well I'll just load up the website. They have their fly in weekend yeah. coming up. Uh Saturday, September twenty eighth, and Sunday the thirtieth. I'm sorry. That's not right. Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday, which would be the last weekend in September, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh they've got camping available, uh both uh I presume next to the airplane. As well as in the campground, um, pancake breakfast Saturday morning. Uh, pilot shop mall is open. Um, there's a social hour at the Sunset Grill later in the day, and uh, barbecue dinner. Um, um, at six, going to seven thirty, which seven thirty is about dusk uh, down here this time of year. So that'll mm-hmm. that'll work out really well for people who want to you know leave leave and get home. Uh, I might, uh, I might try to make this. Actually, uh, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, de- de- if you do, you're going to have to report grand. back. Yeah, yeah, just for grand. I, I need, to, I'd like to go through that museum and and uh, Lakeland's. You know, almost too easy a hop. Yeah, but, you know, uh, isn't that a shame? So that, I've never been to that museum either. Yeah. Um, then they got Wings and Things hosted again by the Florida Air Museum. Uh, I don't know if that's. It's certainly listed on the Sun and Fun site. I don't know. Um, how much involvement Sun and Fun proper has in that? Uh, uh, let's see. When pigs fly south, which is the original link that we started with, uh, Lakeland's first fly-in barbecue contest, bike show, car show, and more. This is on December one. Uh, camper drive in and share some fun, uh, and that's the, I think what what really got. Uh, 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 the interest going here. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, while we're on the topic of Sun and Fun, mark your calendars. Um, Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo, April 9, uh, is the opening day. Yeah. So, which yeah. is kind of late this year. Well, it's all over the place. I think, doesn't it have to do with Easter? It's like an Easter kind of thing. Everything's... It could be. It could be. D- David, you, yeah, I think you it, understand it, better about how this works, but is it basically keyed to Easter? It it wobbles according to uh, what is it Easter and Passover, which is uh, right, before right. Easter, right. and then there's spring training for baseball, and right. all three of those kind of get juggled into how Sun and Fun gets scheduled because if it if it comes up against spring training for baseball, it can be even tougher to get hotel rooms down there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. certainly enough and, uh, to match the demand that comes in for Sun and Fun. So yeah, there's there's you know there's got to be a, a Ramadan or, or you know some some other holy day in there somewhere too. So you're going to get um, us in trouble, man. Don't do it. Um, well, they've they, they've got a uh, they've got a hangar door canteen dance going on a uh, uh, second Friday in November uh, there at Sun and Fun. Uh, that's not exactly a weekend long flying event. That's a Bring- Bring your own canteen. Bring your own canteen. <laughs> and uh, it says, Hangar Door Canteen goes MASH. Make aviation scholarships happen. Oh, so, okay. 
That's cool. Yeah, it's a fun, cool. fundraiser for the scholarship program. Yeah. So, so, anyways, all these things are listed on their website. You can go to uh, sun-n-fund.org is the uh, website. And and uh, one of you mentioned how it seemed like that they were turning into this year-around activity center. They put out a press release exactly of that nature right uh-huh. about the end of Oshkosh mm-hmm. and announced it up there. So uh, I think this is the, uh, the lights lean out and the new lean outs and the new management. And I think this is what you're going to see out of them from now on. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Shawbetter had tweeted or, or something earlier in the week that he was up there or over the weekend or something like he was he was at the Sun Fun site for some reason. Yeah, he goes up a lot throughout the year. I mean, he's yeah. got a lot of uh, uh, he's got a lot of administrative uh, responsibilities with the radio station and and that. But I think he also goes up to kind of generally, you know, participate. So uh, yeah. Um, so it's cool. oh, somebody found this paragliders and the hawk. Yeah, uh, I thought it was you, David. Let's see, you know, who put this on the list? Is, uh, is that? Was that me? Uh, oh, I'm not sure who put it on the list. But, yeah, it's cool. It's this uh, video. It's a YouTube video of the, like you said, the paraglider guys um, flying in formation with these hawks. It's very, very cool. Uh, they, yeah, you know, they're in these. Describe these aircraft for us, David. So these are paragliders. You're, you're, you're actually in a sling um, yeah, hanging you sit, underneath a chute, right? You sit supine, basically. Underneath a, 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 an all cloth airfoil, you'd call it a parachute if it was shaped differently. Mm-hmm. But this is shaped more like a, uh, a, 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 a constant curved compound wing. That's all. Uh, it's all anhedral, no dihedral in it, and. Uh, you sit in uh, the harness. The harness, not coincidentally, I think has a storage bag and a parachute in it uh, in case that, that thing fails. And uh, you basically steer it with toggle lines like you would a regular parachute. But it's got so much surface area and such a, a, a strong Clyde ratio for this being an all-cloth airfoil that you can soar these things in in really light air. Right. Right, and they're ridge soaring basically in most of this. Right now, now the the punchline on these particular video, the, this particular video is that they're flying these aircraft, and uh, the uh, the pilot is holding his heavily leather gloved hand um, out at a ninety degree angle, uh, with some bait apparently beef meat of some sort I would imagine, and attracting these hawks. Um, who I got to figure are you know sort of quote unquote tame talks or you know um, I, I was going to say I, I don't think that these are strangers they yeah. they they don't say hey I'll see you out on yeah. the out, out on the airspace but it doesn't subtract from the coolness of this to, uh, and it's then with not. the magic of GoPro cameras and other portable cameras they've got some awesome video of this happening of these birds flying up and landing on the hand and. Uh, you know, it's just very, very cool stuff. Yeah, there's more than one paraglider involved in this footage. Uh, one of them's flying two up with a boom-mounted camera shooting back at the two people. Uh, and you see the hawk land. And this really was flashback city for me because years ago when I was living on Lookout Mountain in Chattan- outside of Chattanooga, I met a hang glider pilot who flew with a red-tail hawk. Mm-hmm. He was from over in North, flew over in North Carolina predominantly, and, and and there was a movie made about him by a gentleman named Hugh Morton, 
who owned Grandfather Mountain, his family owned it, uh, about uh, the, the Hawk and the, and the hang glider pilot. Uh, but the, the hang glider pilot was licensed to keep the bird and, and trained it and raised it and had uh, worked out to where it would land and launch off of his, uh, off of his gloved hand. Or off an extension off the base tube of the hang glider, which he eventually put on. So it's kind of neat. David, you disappeared. You still there? Yeah, I just stopped talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeb, do you ever fly with the Hawks? Never flew with the Hawks. I've flown with some chickens before. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there were there were know. occasions there were occasions down in the Sequatchie Valley, in particular, uh, at north. At north northwest of Chattanooga, uh, where we would get red tails and and a couple of other breeds of hawk to share the air with us when we were hang gliding. They'd usually drop down, take a look at us, maybe do a three sixty around us or two, and then bail, and that'd be the last we'd seen of them. Uh, during the spring, when they had eggs in nests, uh, we knew that there were the chance that we might overfly in the ridge lift uh, a nesting hawk that would get you some more aggressive behavior because mm-hmm. as far as they were concerned we might swoop down and steal the eggs out of their nest yeah. we were way way bigger yeah well yeah so yeah they cool had, video they had the advantage of being able to land in a tree and then take off again we could only do one of those two yeah I know they yeah they but but you're bigger, aren't they? Fra- afraid of you? Uh, not not so much that they won't take a dive at you. Yeah. Are they, okay. Are they going to aim? Are they going to aim at a wing, or are they going to aim at the 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 center of the uh, hang glider? They aimed at the nose plate every time they did it to me. The nose plate. Yeah, the very nose of the uh, where the two leading edge tubes came together. Okay. 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 It's like they were trying to take my head off. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool stuff. I've always wanted to fly like that. In you know, I mean, I'm not a hang gliding person, so I I always thought it might happen for me as a, in sailplanes, which I've never done, but I want to do one day. Well, it it can happen to you in sailplanes. They they'll they'll cruise up alongside them as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's this. I don't know if it. I think it was Flying Magazine. I learned about flying from that, uh, or some other story like that uh, about a glider pilot who was flying formation with some kind of hawk or, or eagle or some other kind of bird. I don't know. And, um, and they're flying along, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and, and he's he really not paying a whole lot of attention to his lift and, and all this kind of thing. And, and uh, all of a sudden, it dawns on him, like the shark in Jaws, he, the, the, this bird has been leading him further and further away from, A, good lift, and B, his landing zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Oh, dude, I gotta get home." And and the last, the last, uh, you know, uh, sight he saw of this bird was kind of, you know, kind of winking at him and, and waving goodbye. And he makes finally makes it back, you know, to his base and and funks it on the first foot of pavement or something like that. Um, um, it, it was a very humorous story, but yeah, I can just see something like that happening too. Yeah. Welcome again to another installment of As the Prop Turns. When last they met, the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast were participating as private individuals. Their comments did not represent the views of the organizations they worked for. 
On today's episode, the boys will agree that anything heard on this podcast sounding like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. Jack rushes to the virtual hangar to say you should always consider your own situation and remember your training. Jeb and Dave will agree that above all, when aviating, you should fly the airplane. And you, loyal listener, you knew that. Um, speaking of, uh, of, of, uh, soaring, I, uh, so I was, I spent uh, a long weekend, just, just got back the other day. I spent a long weekend up in uh, Warren, Vermont, visiting my brother who lives up there. And, uh, my brother lives literally around the corner. He lives like eight tenths of a mile from Warren Sugarbush airport, um, in, uh, in Warren, Vermont, which is a pretty, pretty well-known and, and, uh, reputable, uh, uh sailplane soaring, uh, operation. And uh, so I, I was up there a couple different times, just kind of sitting at the edge of the field watching the uh, the sailplanes. I got a, uh, and so I was texting, I was t- I was twittering about this. I was tweeting about the fact that I was at at Warren Sugarbush, and I got a tweet back from a listener slash friend of ours, uh, Jeb. Uh, I'm not sure if David. If either one of you remember, but we met a guy named Timothy Tim E. I won't say his last name just because it's personal, but uh, um, who lives down in Florida, who flies a 150 out of a little airport up uh, just to the uh, west of uh, Orlando. Yeah, I remember Tim. Yeah, and uh, um, turns out he was in Warren, Vermont for the week taking a class at this there's this kind of homey folksy crunchy granola i i I didn't say that in the very best way um uh uh, school private school about uh you know building you know sustainable homes and you know log cabins and all that kind of thing so he's taking a course up there he sees my tweet he says i'm right around the corner i'm going to be at there he says you want to meet at the airport so we went and met met at uh, warren sugarbush and and hung out and talked for a while and uh, um watched the airplanes for a little bit and uh and and i had a nice visit that was really cool Um, very cool he was telling me more about uh, his situation he actually lives in a trailer on the grounds of his airport there in, oh, cool. in central Florida. And, uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, so he's just, he's just like becoming an inspiration to me in so many different ways. First of all, cause he flies a 150 all around America. Second of all, because he lives right there on the grounds of the airport, you know, like you do Jeb. Uh, but, uh, um, it's, uh, you know, and he's a tiny house person, which is totally not aviation related. But uh, I'm kind of into this whole tiny house uh, uh, movement that's going on, and so is he. That was what he was studying, I guess, this week at uh, at this cl- this school called what's it called? It's called Yes Tomorrow, Yes Tomorrow School in. Uh, it's either in Warren, Vermont, or possibly Waitsfield, Vermont, but it's right there. So uh, Warren Sherbridge Airport, that was kind of cool. On the drive home from visiting my brother, I decided to take the scenic route because there were a couple of airports up in that sort of neck of the woods that I'd never flown to. And I figured since I was driving, I'll drive on by and see what's what. And I stopped by, and I sent you, sent you guys a link through, uh, through, through Skype just now, to uh, Hartness State Airport in Springfield, Vermont. Um, and uh, it, for some reason, it just always caught my attention on the charts. And so I stopped by there, and it's a pretty cool airport. I was there on a Monday morning, so it was very, very quiet. There wasn't an awful lot going on. Uh, but, uh, but the FBO was staffed. I mean, there, it seems like it's staffed, you know, all the time. There was a guy behind the desk, and he was very friendly, and we were chatting for a while. Uh, there was about a half a dozen sailplanes, uh, gliders, uh, parked out on the ramp. Uh, a whole bunch of new hangars. Clearly, this airport is, is, is being taken care of. It's not, not suffering from any kind of neglect that I could see. 
and uh, uh, so I was kind of just kind of wandering around looking at things. And uh, uh, but here's the perhaps the most remarkable thing about Hartness uh, State Airport. So I, I, there's a bronze plaque outside the FBO building, and it's saying you know Hartness State Airport established whatever date it was established. And then one of the things it says is uh, visited in 19 I think it was 1927 by Lindbergh. All right. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. He must have just, just you know, visited on, on some whatever trip. So I go inside the FBO, and I'm looking around the FBO, and there's all kinds of pictures. And suddenly I'm, they're showing pictures of the Spirit of St. Louis. And I'm going – and I, so I talked to the guy. I said, you guys aren't saying that the Spirit of St. Louis landed at this airport in 1927. He said, yeah. He says, absolutely. He said, um, apparently in 1927, Lindbergh made a kind of victory tour all around America. All right. He went airport hopping. It was just awesome round cross country. All you got to, uh, I, I took a picture of the, of this map that they've got on the wall there that just shows every stop. I mean, this guy, this is the, you know, this is the flight we all want to do, you know, right. barnstorming around America. Um, and, uh, and one of the places he stopped was at Hart, Hart's Hartness, excuse me, Hartness state airport, uh, in Springfield, Vermont. Um, the reason that he stopped at this particular airport is that Hartness, the guy who the airport is named after, uh, was a huge, huge aviation fan back at, back in the day. All right, one of the very first. I think it said something like one of the first hundred licensed air uh, pilots in America, or something like that. Maybe like the first po- licensed pilot in Vermont. Hartness was either at the time or eventually became the governor of Vermont. Hmm. And somewhere along the line, Hartness used his own money to buy the ground that he turned into the airport, the Hartness State Airport um, back then, and then deeded it over to the state. Uh, according to the note I saw, it said that it's perpetually deeded to be an airport. Uh, and uh, it's just Wow, they put a codicil on it. Got some great history, and uh, I was only there for a little while, and I hope I'm, I'm absorbing this correctly, um, but just the bits and pieces of the story I heard were very, very cool. And so this is definitely now on my list of airports that I need to visit by air one of these times. It's, hey, well, it's got eight glider space there. Yeah. Yeah. I notice in the remarks section, it's got geese. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's got geese and, and geese it's on and in the vicinity of. As opposed to ducks. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. That's good. That's good. You're working it. You're working it. He's still not asking the question. Yeah. So Hartness is. Uh, well, why a geese? That's what I want to know. Why a geese? Uh, goose. Hart- why goose. a goose? Singular is goose. <laughs> why a goose? Hartness State Airport. Uh, it looks like a great Smack airport. Him, and uh, and. Uh, um, and they got fuel, so don't worry about that. You know, go up there and visit Hartness State Airport. It didn't appear that there was a restaurant, which would have been the the, the, the capper. But uh, um, looks like a cool destination. Going to have to check it out. And it sure is pretty country. I'll tell you, the, up there in the hills of Vermont, it's it's very very nice. That was my diversion off of the list. Where were we here? Huh? Is anything else on the list? Oh, yeah, that's important. A list. What's, what's going on here? Well, it certainly got a lot of pavement. Fifty five hundred foot. Yeah. And a three thousand foot. Yeah, big it's, enough for anything I'm apt to ever fly. What was the elevation? Elevation only well five hundred and eighty feet. So yeah, not too bad. When I was it's, talking with Timothy E. Um, uh, back at well, now we'll go back to Warren Sugarbush. Um, he actually flew his one fifty. He went to a class at this school like I don't know a year ago or so, and he actually flew his one fifty from Florida to Vermont to attend this class. 
and he knew Warren Sugarbush was right there, but he was unfamiliar with the airport, and he was concerned about its elevation and the relatively short length of the runway, and and so he chose to land up at Montpelier and uh, and rent a car. And uh, one of the things he wanted to do when we were visiting that day was to kind of eyeball the place and decide whether he felt like it was going to be safe for him to land his gross weight 150 um, there. And uh, <laughs> on how much runway? Uh, what is it? Let's see. Uh, Warren Sugarbush is where is it? 2575. And five seven five eighty five MSL? No, 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 no. Uh, Warren Sugarbush is at is at fifteen hundred basically. Oh, fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, if it's over eighty five degrees, you might want to rethink that. Yeah, and those were the things he was he was trying to figure out. So he was landing. There's one thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, landing's easy. Yeah. So. Anyways, it's nice to have the number of takeoffs and landings match up. <laughs> yeah, always a good thing. Always a good thing. Uh, I want to jump in here real quickly with the uh, UCAP Echo clip of the week. Uh, we posted a, uh, a clip in the last week or so. Uh, this is uh, We actually posted the entire UCAP Daily, number 244, from not this past summer's Oshkosh, but from the summer before. And this was the uh, UCAP Daily episode where uh, Rick and James uh, performed their song, uh, which was new at the time, uh, Rock Your Wings. And uh, it's a very, very cool yeah. thing. Uh, they gave us a great reprise of that at, uh, at the, uh, the uh, uh, tie-down party this past summer. Um, yeah. Really got the crowd rocking. It was a lot of fun. Um, them and and a few other guests who had brought the, you know, listener friends guests had brought guitars, and a bunch of them were just kind of jamming um, at the tie down party. And uh, and among other things, they were saying "Rock Your Wings." So uh, in the, in episode two forty four, Juliet, which is available on Echo, uh, we have uh, Rick and James performing uh, a summer ago uh, from the uh, from the deck at uh, EAA Radio. World, so ch- world premiere. Yeah. So check that out if you're interested. Uh, you can. They rocked our deck. Uncontrolledairspace.com/slash/echo and uh, search for "Rock Your Wings" and you'll find it. And uh, it's a cool thing. What else here you want to talk about? You guys pick something. Let's see. No more ducks on the list. <laughs> we 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 so often do an off field landing of the week. Uh huh. That little news item from uh, I think this is French Valley, California. Uh, an on field landing of the week with savage consequences. Uh, a, a guy's attempt to land a, a Cherokee 180. Uh, apparently, he tried to go around, or decided he was going to go around, and in, in the process of that failure and getting completely stopped, uh, clipped. I've seen anywhere from six to eight other airplanes, I believe seven, on his way down, and nobody got killed. Kind of beat the daylights out of the guy on the Cherokee that started it all, but the pilot caught a crosswind, came in and clipped a plane that was on a taxi on a taxiway, and then it veered off and across the ramp and uh, quote unquote barreled into several other unoccupied aircraft. Wow! Yeah, the pictures are heartbreaking. My gosh, it's uh, it's uh, it's definitely good that nobody got hurt though. It, yeah, one person in the landing airplane was taken to the hospital for yeah. evaluation of minor injuries. 
according to the Riverside County Fire Department. The second person in that plane was not injured at all. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but, boy, there sure was a lot of collateral aluminum damage. Really? Ooh, wow. really. Jeb, did you find the pictures? I finally found the pictures. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. That sucks. But What's hey. this video guy here? We got, we got some video. What's this going to show me here? Uh, well, first of all, there's a commercial, so we're not even going to watch it. Um, wow, yeah, I didn't get the commercial. Well, that's too bad. We're glad nobody was killed. Nobody was hurt badly, but... Uh, that's just heartbreaking. It's, yeah, it's yeah, like it really bad is. enough when you bang up your airplane, but then you hurt a b- whole bunch of other people's airplanes, you know. And, uh, and uh, it, 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 it tore up so many in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and no, no fire, no, apparently not even stitches. Uh, it's a, it, it, it is a testament to the relatively slow landing speeds of the old straight-wing Hershey Bar Cherokee design. Because apparently he started this slow enough to get blown off by the crosswind. I was going to say, it, it, it's, it's landing characteristics, if, if perhaps not, it's directional control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll all go sideways if you ask them to try to land in crosswinds that exceed their control authority. And Cherokees are pretty good at that, up to about 23 or 24 knots. The, uh, the video, which I finally worked my way through the commercial, the video is just really heartbreaking. I mean, it's like airplanes piled on top of each other and torn up and at 90 degrees to each other, and oh my gosh. it's uh... Yeah, it's... Uh... It's like, well, we sure hope that those people all didn't share an insurance agency. We yeah. hope it gets spread out some. Yeah, really. So what else have we got going on here? I don't know. We're reaching the end of our allotted time anyways, so it doesn't make any yeah. difference. Anyway, what else we got here? So let's see what's on the list here. We did that. We did that. We got the Echo Clip of the Week. Uh, uh, let's see now. EAA News, GA Avgash Coalition applauds FAA's creation of... David, is this really progress, or is this just more... All of the above. You know? It's, it, it's a sign of a little bit more uh, attention and at, at, the, at the FAA level. Uh, because eventually, whatever comes out of this is going to have to go through them uh, as part of the approval process. Well, they have a... They basically have a single point of contact now in the bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether that individual is, is the person staffing this office whose name I don't believe is, is in the article, um, whether they have the authority to do anything, uh, I'm sure they have the responsibility, but um, I don't think they'll have the, the authority. So who knows? Right now it's just a, a single point of contact, yeah. which, is, which is overdue, but uh, this is how the FAA resolve that issue. I mean... It, it, I'm starting to lose. Uh, for the longest time, I thought that there was a solution coming down the road, that they were going to find some sort of fuel that you could safely put in an airplane that previously required 100 low lead. It, it, it's just well, beginning it's not, to feel like not, that's... It, go it's ahead. not exactly that simple. Um, one of the complications here is mixing the two in the same tank. Right. One of the complications here is the uh, manufacturing and distribution process, quality control, things of that sort. Are we going to have you know two different tanks? That, uh, right now, you're lucky to get one tank uh, of 100 low lead. Uh, 
at an airport, forget forget Jet A, forget 80 octane, forget MoGas. Mm-hmm. Um, so are we really talking about having two tanks, uh, two different uh, distribution systems? I don't think so. Not in, not in, not with these economics. Right. So there's a whole lot more going on here than just the chemical composition, um, but that's certainly part of it. Has is Cessna showing us the way with this uh, announcement of their diesel, you know, version of the whatever it was, Skyhawkish? Was it a one? They're, they're, they're showing a way. Yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah. And and <laughs> and that way is 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 a good way forward for. Operators in some countries where hunter low lead is scarce to non-existent, and that's uh, not an insubstantial chunk of the of the world. Uh, so they're they're looking at I forget the company uh, SMA. Um, uh, somebody had a or maybe two, more than one people had uh, one organization I should say had STCs to put diesels in 182s, uh, and they're just kind of seeing that that market has matured to the point where they can afford to step into it. Um, we'll see that some more. Mm-hmm. We'll see that uh, maybe in the I don't know, 206. I don't think there's a diesel big enough yet. But 206, you get into turbines. And there's a lot of turbine 206s out there. Yeah. Um, you might see it in some other airplanes. But uh, I know a guy in D.C. has been running diesels in his 172s um, for years. Uh, he runs a uh, traffic um, spotting uh, operation. Uh, Stan Fetter operates uh, Hyde Field there in, in D.C. Uh, excuse me. It's in Maryland, and it's not fair to call it one of the D.C. three airports. You have to call it one of the Maryland three airports. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, bravo, Mike. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's had pretty good luck uh, mm-hmm. with, with uh, these were the, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Um, went back and forth, and, and the company went on some hard times. I presume they're still in operation. He's, he's been happy with the engines, if for no other reason than ma- low maintenance, uh, reliability, and, and extremely low uh, fuel burn and fuel price. Mm-hmm. Diamond's done pretty well with their uh, GA42 with diesels. And, yeah, they uh, have. And that's, I've flown that airplane before. That's a nice airplane to fly. That's a nice airplane. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, they they very specific when they're talking about it. And, of course, they've got their own engine in that airplane now. They they had issues with the original provider and dropped the original engines. And now they're, they've got their own company making their own engines that are all, uh, you know, uh, type certified. And that's what, that's what they're delivering now. But they're, they're very specific about noting to pilots and prospects that this airplane flies on Jet A. Right. Because saying it flies on diesel creates in those minds of some people an issue as well as my airport going to carry diesel right it, 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 they already carry a cleaner version of diesel in shed a right it's just a little lighter uh but basically the same same chemistry and meaning the chemistry to replace 100 low lead has not been the 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 uh overwhelming technical challenge they can create synthetic yeah. fuels that will meet all the ASTM standards for the fuel. Uh, it's everything downstream of that. When EAA was putting forward the program that eventually led to STCs for auto fuel right. in a lot of airplanes, they were years convincing the FAA 
that none of the issues that the FAA was bringing up were issues. And Jeb hit on all of them. Uh, compatibility with fuel systems, uh, whether you can mix them, uh, you know, what about switching from one to the other? Uh, does it require any mods? Uh, it's completely uh, drop-in replaceable on these systems. And initially it was just the 150. And then it was the 150 and the 152. And then it kind of took off from there. So it, it, it is possible. But nobody in the competing fuel business is really anxious to see this happen unless they're in the driver's seat. And there is another issue. You say there is another issue? or That in itself is another issue. I see. Because yeah. Yeah, okay. most of the airports out there have only one fuel vendor. And most of the time, those contracts give that fuel vendor a lot of say over what other things that the airport can do in terms of fuel supply, which usually means, which is usually why you can't get auto fuel at a lot of airports, because their aviation fuel supplier specifies in the contract with the airport they are not allowed to sell auto right. fuel there. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it, they they claim it's a liability issue, uh, but most people believe it's just a competitive issue because where people can get auto fuel, uh, a lot of people buy auto fuel for their airplanes that are legal to use it. Yeah, yeah, and I know it's a confusing issue because part of me wants the to for there to be that competition, you know, that that be the that that alternate supply. But the reality is that if there was such an alternate alternate supply, we'd see more and more airports that didn't even have F fuel. The, the the vendors would just go away. They'd say, "Forget it. If well, I can't have a monopoly at this airport, I'm not going to do it." I'm doing think it. about think about this for a moment here. We've still got we've got a fleet that actually has airplanes rated for three different octane levels. Stuff that was designed to run on eighty octane. Stuff that was designed to run on ninety ninety one like uh, our old Comanche, and the stuff that's uh, designed to run on 100. 100 low lead is the only aviation alternative that we have of those three fuels. But for airplanes that can burn auto gas, the drop-in replacement is here. Yeah. Auto gas, period. Mm -hmm. Right. And if they want, they can burn the 91 octane auto gas and get something really healthy out of the airplane that's originally designed to run on 80. And it won't hurt their fuel systems, and they can mix it if they need to. But there's this big chunk of the airplanes out there for which this answer is already available. Auto fuel. Just let the freaking airports that want to carry auto fuel, and the drop-in replacement and the leaded fuel, it's gone for those airplanes. Yeah. But then they'll pump even less 100 low lead, makes that a less viable business op opportunity, and it speeds up the day that we lose access to 100 low lead. That, that shouldn't be our problem to shoulder. It should be their problem to come up with a replacement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Anyways. But we already have a replacement for a, a big chunk of the airplanes that are flying. Shout-outs. Got any shout-outs before we shout wrap outs. this thing up? 
Uh, yeah, one real quick one. Uh, Adam Smith, who was on uh, the podcast last, uh, well, two weeks ago. Last time, yep. What was it last one? Well, whatever. Um, earned his instrument rating. That's today. right. I saw that. That's very, Congratulations, very cool. Yeah, Congratulations. He, he mentioned when we were talking to him that he was yeah. working on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just posted this afternoon on Facebook that uh, he had a really cool picture of him standing in front of the tail holding his certificate in front of him. And uh, um, he's... I, you know, I, I, I didn't know him real well, Adam Smith, when he was our boss, uh, you know, I mean, cause I was yeah. pretty low in the food chain. Right. Um, right. the more I get to know him, the more I think he's a pretty cool guy. And, yeah. uh, um, I, I really wish yeah. him well in, in uh, his goals at, at AOPA. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly one of the good, good hires that I was referring to earlier. Right. And, uh, we wish him well and we congratulate him on his IFR ticket. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that I'll tell you, that is an accomplishment that you actually have to do it to appreciate what a milestone it is. I, I believe that. Because it yeah. feels even heavier than the uh, than the private. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely have excuse me. It's definitely heavier than the private. Um, um, it's heavier than the commercial, also. Yeah, I've heard people say it's tougher than even the CFI. Yeah, can be. Mm-hmm. Can be depends on on uh, the CFI, right? Yeah. So, anyways, congratulations to him. Other shoutouts? Yeah, a quick one to uh, my old buddy, uh, retired airline pilot Doug Moeller, and his lovely bride Sabrina, uh, who by the time this gets heard will have completed their sixth annual ultralight fly-in at uh, the private air park north of uh, Wichita called High Point. Uh, It's just a one-day, throw it together. They're going to have a big fire pit. People are going to be flying smoke passes. Uh, They've opened it up to light sport since they started doing this years ago, and it was ultralights only. Uh, There'll be a buku number of folks there with their Part 103 and Part 103 uh, heavy airplanes there. Uh, and it's just cool that they get together and do this every year. Uh, they open up their hangar. Everybody pitches in some uh, some kind of dish or dessert. Uh, there's liquid refreshment and a lot of cool airplanes and neat people. So uh, we're looking forward to going up there Saturday. And uh, since this gets played afterward, congratulations, Doug and Sabrina, on uh, on keeping this chain going. Excellent, excellent. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Anything else? Okay. Not for me. Not for me. Uh, let's see now. One of those voices we've been listening to is I forgot. I'll probably drop in the introductions at the beginning. I'll record them <laughs> later on. But we were just having such a good time talking about geese and all kinds of other things that I forgot. Uh, Jeb Burnside's there. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What's going on, Jeb? You working on anything fun or uh, nothing fun? Trying to take care of some personal uh, responsibilities and. Uh projects and stuff like that. I've been on the road a little bit and uh, uh, waiting for some parts to come in uh, on the airplane so I can get it back uh, together and uh, flying in close formation once again. Yeah. And does the door have skin on it yet? Nope. Not yet. Um, that's So the hangar door has a, returned to its status a, as we don't talk about it. No. We, we, that's another part of the uh, airplane equation because the same guy doing the airplane is also involved with the door. So, Got it. Uh, he's after, after you get off my phone... Uh, he's one of my next phone calls. Okay. And where can people find you on the internet? 
uh, jeburnside.com, uh, aviationsafetymagazine.com, uncontrolledairspace.com, uh, aea.net, and sometimes uh, even on avweb.com. And that other voice is Dave Higdon. He's, uh, Dave is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. What's going on, David? You working on anything interesting? Uh, actually, this is kind of the weird time of year when I start making files and folders and uh, uh, story project uh, uh, files for tw- the next year. So uh, a big part of this week has been uh, taking lists that I've already been given from a couple of clients and starting the research projects on about 60-odd things that I've already been listed to do for 2013, uh, which feels kind of good. And tomorrow I'm going to open up the files and start to uh, kick something down the road for the short term. Like I need to talk to a guy named Burnside about the next project I'm doing for his magazine. So. I- he, he sounds familiar. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you may have heard of him. Yeah. And David, where can people find you on the internet in general? Oh, avbuyer.com, aea.net, uh, that safety magazine that uh, that guy named Jeb mentioned. Uh, or do a wild Google search and remember that I know what physics are and I've seen golf, but I don't write about either. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Please check out my uh, Kindle ebooks about aviation and other things uh, at Amazon.com slash author slash Jack Hodgson. Uh, also uh, working uh, a lot on uh, UCAP Echo, the uh, General Aviation's online media channel. That's at UncontrolledAirspace.com slash Echo. And in general, you can learn about me at JackHodgson.com and AroundTheField.net. Jack, you, you, you left out a website, though, didn't you? Which one? TripleXDuck.com. <laughs> Big thanks to Jeff Ward for his help with the show notes and for the forums. Uh, thanks to uh, uh, – oh, and uh, we want you to take a few minutes to uh, check out, like I said, the uh, General Aviation Online Media Channel at uncontrolledairspace.com slash echo. Uh, and uh, don't forget to check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. Uh, and you can see who's doing what in the new ratings webpage fame and much more all of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com uh jeb why a duck you started this man dave you were going to say something well if you want to live to be an old duck spend as much time flying as ducks do because you know time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan bye-bye and that's enough talking let's go flying <laughs> yeah, FFDM. 